This is podcast 179, entitled Ere the Winter Storms, and you've just heard Orpheus, Love Over Here. Orpheus will probably be the house band for a while, and Love Over Here, which originally was about the writer's move from Worcester Mass to Barry Mass, uh, is a powerfully metaphorical song about the fact that love can be somewhere else than where it first began. In other words, it's a song about the renewal of love, uh, that it has nothing to do or little to do with geographical circumstances, but with what is within. And that is a very uh, apposite to our theme today, which is the resistance to change that is caused by unmourned loss. The resistance in you and me, in a person in other words, that is caused by unmourned and especially unmourned early loss. And this theme, which is a theme which is in my own personal life, and more um, dramatically even perhaps in the life of my actual dad is a theme which I see all over the place where I see unredeemed characters who are sort of entering into midlife or later life whose um, early uh, patterns which are essentially forms of defense around some kind of early um, problem or early circumstantial trouble in one's life and in particular the loss of someone this uh, pattern uh, of sort of um, hardness and unchangeability in uh, people as they get old is an astonishing fact of the human drama. And it's one that came home to me and occasioned this podcast, Ere the Winter Storms, begin a reference to the Thanksgiving hymn. When Mary and I saw a play and the movie based upon the play entitled I Never Sang for My Father. This uh, was a 1970 released film of a play by Robert Woodruff Anderson, an American playwright 
whose work is of uh, interest to me at this point in my life. But in the play, a uh, drama is enacted between an 80-year-old man who is impossible, irascible, hostile, also gifted, charming, and in a very um, important way sympathetic, as the play continues, and his 40-year-old successful son, who is having a very, very hard time breaking from his father's, uh, the spell that his father's uh, particular personality has over him, which is really a very selfish and um, kind of, we might say, the son for the father's lights is an extension of himself. Uh, this is modern language for what the play is about. And in the play, <coughs> a red light comes into the old man's experience. It was played by Melvin Douglas in the movie as the son, Gene, was played by Gene Hackman in the movie. And he got an Academy Award nomination for it. In the... Um, um, story, an 80-year-old man uh, suffers, who's impossible, who's hard on his children, who's alienated his daughter, who's judgmental and absolutely fierce in his judgments, and also is, is, is um, um, gorging on his self-concept. This man suffers um, a catastrophic, uh, sudden loss when his wife of 55 years dies suddenly. And in the context of his loss, it comes out that the old man himself had suffered an extreme loss as a child. And the loss of his wife in the present touches upon this old man's loss of his mother in the distant past and also his father and uh, catalyzes a violent confrontation. I mean, verbally violent confrontation between the son and the dad, which ends in a complete checkmate, a total red light and no progress whatsoever. And finally, isolation. Uh, death and uh, unresolved alienation. <laughs> Lucky you. But it's very powerful. And oddly enough, the movie is a little bit, has a kind of, uh, has some, there's a little bit of thread of happiness in it. Like all of Robert Anderson's work, it's not nihilistic. It has been described as, um, as uh, let me see, what is the description? As uh, upbeat melancholia. <laughs> um, I think that's a very good phrase. Perhaps one's ministry, I, my own might be, I hope, described by someone else observing it as sort of a um, downbeat, downbeat optimism, uh, but upbeat melancholia. And uh, the power of the story is that the man who, the 80-year-old man Tom, lost his mother when he was about 10, who had been left by the father, her husband, two years earlier when he was eight. Um, the, he had left completely the family uh, in a terrible jam, you know, back in the 20s or before, around the time of the First World War, and um, destroyed the child's life. And uh, he was so upset by his father's leaving the family that when the mother is buried two years later, way in the distant historical past, the son remembers refusing to let him come uh, to the uh, reception after the funeral. He confronted his father physically and simply wouldn't let him come. And because he had been left the boy, now in the guise of an 80-year-old man, alone to provide for his sister and his brother and to go to work at a horrible job and to spend his entire life trying to fend for himself and his family until he then, by his own hard work, became a very successful man living in Westchester County, which is not far from where I'm recording this podcast since I've recently returned from Lake Tahoe. Now, 
What is powerful about that is that um, this man's um, uh, loss uh, has calcified. It's covered over by a scar tissue or a carapace that is so thick that nothing will touch it. And the way he prevents anyone from getting in there is by being hostile. In other words, it's a reaction formation of hostile antagonism to anyone who comes near to touching his real pain underlying his gruff uh, persona. And he will fight you to the death uh, because the pain is too great and he won't touch it. And this is the fate of many, many individuals. There is something that happened to you, male or female, old or young, but if it's early, if it's the loss of someone who loved you, if it's the loss of a key relationship early on, and many people suffer incredible losses of this kind for every conceivable kind of reason. Uh, and in the past, perhaps more because uh, people died young, the, uh, the uh, death rate, the mortality rate, people died younger. But in any event, because of the medicine has changed so completely. But in any event, if you have an early loss, and many of you do, I do, we all do, many do, then the loss uh, early is so great. The pain is so primal. You're so attached to it because it's in your body that you develop antibodies. You develop antibodies. You develop defenses against it, which when anything gets near it, you become hostile and difficult, like a snake who's chased down to his lair and won't let you in. And that's what happens with Tom. Every time his his, uh, his fate, uh, his his mourning, his loss is approached, and at one point it's a lo- approached very powerfully. He um, becomes hostile. Uh, this scene, the concluding and really powerful scene of I never sang for my father, has the father completely breaking down as the loss of his wife triggers his memories of the loss of his mother and his anger also against the dad. And he breaks down irretrievably and in a most moving and affecting way. It inspires your compassion. It certainly inspires the compassion and sympathy of his son who is otherwise quite angry with him. And it's very powerful. But then when the son kind of tries to go into it with the father and encourages dad to cry and encourages him to sort of let it out, to sick it out, at that point the father snaps back and becomes hostile again and malignant and completely antagonizes the son. And we find out later that there's never, there's no hope for this man. And uh, I was thinking in it about that song. I think it's, uh, I love bubblegum rock, don't you? Well, there's a song uh, among those great songs like Simple Simon Says and Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. Uh, I'm, you know, my tone is wrong. I like this stuff. Why am I caricaturing it? Yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy and I feel like loving you. And Simple Simon Says, you know. Dee, 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 dee. Well, the great song by the 1910 Fruit Company, if you can allow me to call it that, is actually Red Light. One, two, three, red light, you stop me. One, two, three, red light, you stop me. One, two, three, red light. Now, the red light refers to a different kind of red light in reference to a different process, otherwise known as teenage sort of uh, um, clumsy seduction. Uh, But the red light uh, is powerful. The red light stops you. And the red light stops the old man in I Never Sang for My Father. But it's not sufficient. Uh, what happens, you know, when you have a loss like this or something like this is that you, 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 the red light of, of loss comes and you turn right on red. You, you get around it. Or you, um, you're on Route 95 going to New York and everything is backed up for 15 miles and everybody tries to get on the shoulder and get off on the next uh, earliest exit ramp you can to get off and take a detour. This guy took a detour. You know, Karen Young. Well, um, that is uh, what everybody tries to do because the pain is too great of waiting. 
But the actuality is you need to wait. You need to stop. You need to absolutely accept the stoppage. Like the characters in Stephen King's The Stand, where there's a huge traffic jam outside of Kansas City or Oklahoma City or some Midwestern town like that. And everybody's dead in the wake of the great plague that has swept America. And everybody's dead except a few people for some reason we don't, we only find out later, are alive. And, and you come upon this, uh, the, one of the heroes comes upon this vast a traffic jam of destroyed vehicles like a like in a drone attack when Saddam Hussein's convoy was bombed and everybody's dead except a couple people are sort of alive and one of them is sitting on top of one of the stopped cars at the as it were historical red light of American plague and devastation singing Eve of Destruction by Barry Maguire but he's still alive and he's sitting on top of the car singing with his guitar well that man becomes one of the great heroes of the play I think his name is Larry but it's a red light <laughs> I remembered in my own dad's case, he had a great a red light in his very early life, very similar to Tom Garrison in the Anderson play. Uh, my dad's uh, mother died when he was uh, eight, and it was a parsonage family. These were um, evangelical uh, minister family uh, of uh, German immigrant stock, and uh, it was a terrible time, and the father's wife died, the mother of five children, his five children, and my dad never got over it, and his dad married soon afterwards a lovely Christian lady, but not the same person, and you had a Cinderella scenario in subjectively understood, because of course the dad couldn't possibly alone in that day and time raise five children, when especially his living was so penurious based upon the kindness of the gathered members of his small congregation, and and uh, what was interesting is that whenever this subject would come up, which is very rare, it was never talked about. But every so often, and I can remember maybe five or six times when it came up in my growing up, and suddenly a look over my father's otherwise very stoic and very, very refusing to feel type of face, which I understand now, um, it would come up, the death of his mother. And a look, he, he would, he would, it was like he went, he went a thousand, what do we call it? A, a thousand yard stare. My friend Bill Pratt used to, Pratt used to say a thousand yard stare. He was like a, he was like a million miles away and his eyes would tear up and it was like he was a different person. He was entering for a moment into the ego state of a young little boy whose mother had suddenly died and everything changed. Everything changed. And this look and the tears would well up and then he would sort of stop and Usually this would happen when he was a little drunk, and um, but never in his sober times. And my dad died completely unhealed, uh, irresolubly committed to a defensive posture around uh, uh, an inconsolable and insufferable pain that caused him to absolutely shut down. And that part of his life was a uh, open and shut uh, um, uh, safe, buried at the bottom of the Hudson River forever, except when it came out when the inhibitions fell because of alcohol. Now, isn't that extraordinary? I mean, isn't that extraordinary? And uh, it was never, the pain was so great and it was so early in its origin that nothing could be done. And the same is true of the character and I never sang from my father. And finally, I had a fascinating situation not long ago. Um, I was uh, looking at some pictures of someone I know or used to know very well, but pictures that were taken very recently. And uh, someone whose every expression, let's call it a her, let's call it a her, um, every expression on her face I knew, uh, not someone a member of my family, but a professional colleague. And I've seen and known very much up close as a professional colleague, this particular person whom I respected at one point very much. And I saw these pictures of her in a professional situation because she's still working, as we say. And the same 
absolute same expression, the same smirk, the same condescension, the same look, the same people to whom she was speaking at this professional meeting. They were the same people she talked to five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and the same points of view that she would have found to talk to 50 years ago or 40. And here was this uh, absolutely unchanged scenario, not a everything about it, as I've described it, where it was, what it was, to whom she was talking, and the look on her face, because the event was photographed in detail by some professional person. And I said, oh, gosh, you know, this is what happens when the pain is so great. And in this case, I know a little bit about the pain. When the pain is so great that the cost of it being investigated and uh, shed light on feels a cost that one cannot pay. And so it is covered over by a resistance that creates a formation in the personality that you know. But underneath it, it's almost the opposite. Well, let me talk to you for just a minute. Is this, uh, you probably weren't there, but I remember the night that Barry Goldwater was, uh, the night before the election of 1964, and I was a very little boy, and I watched the um, the other candidates' address, and then my mother put on the last sort of half hour on address to the American people by Barry Goldwater, in which um, uh, Senator Goldwater sort of expressed his platform very well, I thought. And then there was sort of a pause and he moved from one room in his house in Phoenix to another room. I think it was Phoenix, Arizona. And he said, well, now I just want to have a little word with the American people. (laughs) I remember, but it was very intimate. It was like this real person uh, sort of went into another room and he looked at the camera and he said, well, now I'd like to have a little word with the American people. And I thought, well, now, you know, that's very touching. It it felt one-to-one. It's exactly what a preacher would do. Well, let me talk to you. What about you? I mean, seriously, I'm speaking with you, to you. Uh, I'm crowding into the river with you. Do you really want to um, end up your life in uh, in a reaction formation that covers over an insoluble and incurable uh, early childhood loss or a problem of gestation and origin in the very beginnings of your life? Now, maybe this doesn't speak to you at all, and maybe you can't think of such a thing, and maybe you had an idyllic childhood, but maybe not. (laughs) Remember Wild Strawberries, the Bergman movie? It looked idyllic, and it was idyllic, but it wasn't completely idyllic because the one who made it idyllic was not long for this earth. Well, um, think about that, and uh, you might say to yourself, and if you're my age, it'll probably never happen, but if there's a red light, because there is going to be, there's a red, every life has a red light, every symbol, single life, God sends a red light to, 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 to reduce you to reality and to the humility of your inability to create and control your circumstances and situation. And if there's been a red light in your life, it's often professional, but it may often be relational and the two are tied together, relational, professional, whatever it is, it's really... Um, a matter of social justice. It's really a matter of, of, of a personal uh, checkmate. Uh, I Gosh, I, I don't want to be like the uh, Melvin Douglas character in the play I Never Sang for My Father because he dies alone, uh, completely and totally unhealed. He is a damned soul. And I sensed that about this colleague uh, when I saw the pictures of her. And um, I saw it in my dad. And my dad, by the way, did die in many ways a damned soul. He got control of his drinking at the very end, but I, I was there. <laughs> the dry drunk aspect of his anger about his life, which was entirely rooted in a very early and unresolved and unmourned catastrophe, that remained untouched. 
and it was not touched throughout his entire life. And if I were a Hindu, I'd say, oh my gosh, poor guy, you know, he's going to have a little unpleasantness in the bardo, and now he's probably that person, that unresolved person is probably living in some other person who maybe lives in Port Chester, New York. But, um, wherever. But um, is, is this really anything like you'd want? Um, listen to the song, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company, I think it's called. Listen to Red Light, but give it a different spin. And most importantly, see I Never Sang for My Father. And finally, see if the song I'm about to play, which is entitled Just Got Back by Orpheus, in its odd dissonance, give the song about a minute before you turn it off because you won't like it. But give it about a minute because it comes together after about a minute. Um, and after about a minute, you'll hear a throbbing underneath. Actually, it's a guitar and bass line, a dun, 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 repeated in the minor key that will touch potentially some of your uh, archaeology. And it may, in fact, jumpstart your um, acquaintance with the grief that the Messiah was acquainted with, the Son of Man was acquainted with, and for one's uh, purposes of catharsis and emotional resilience and hope of any kind needs to be touched at at this exact moment. Thank you so much for listening and God bless. Just got back people I I left the future where the prankster won't find it Just a crack people I don't think Prankster won't